Guys, we're in uncharted territory now. The most hype, you know, nonsense cliches that you just constantly hear from commentators and journalists and the whole hype machine. Oh, we're in uncharted territory. Yes, we are always in uncharted territory because no one before, I think today's date is... What is today's date? It is the 12th of January. It is 5.26 p.m. And we, we're in uncharted territory, guys. It's never before been 5.26 p.m. on January 12th in Manly, Australia. Never before, right? Yeah, the world is constantly spinning and rotating. And we're always in uncharted territory because we have never lived this exact moment before, right? No man can step into the same river twice because he's changed and the river's changed. But uh, here's Athenian Stranger on Alex Kashuta's podcast uh, talking about uh, how we're in uncharted territory. How scary is this? But now everyone has seen everything with the way in which you, I mean, you can literally see everything with a, with a quick search on the old Google. Uh, but the danger there and I know the, 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 the sort of the porn reference there is just kind of an analogy, but really it's not even an analogy because sort of the dopamine and all that is the same. But we're in uncharted territory now because when you don't... Yeah, we're in uncharted territory because we've never been in this exact moment before, right? Now, there are things that we have in common with previous moments and things that are brand new, and it's always like that, right? It's always uncharted territory. What I will do is take... I'll take two minutes in that way. You, uh, you could walk this path every day for 10 years and you'd still be in uncharted territory because every day you change and every day the path changes. It's, un- it's uncharted territory, guys. The, the thing about the human imagination, uh, and this is something Aristotle says, and I think he's simply correct, and this is also thematic throughout Plato, is that uh, what Aristotle says is you can't even think without images. The, the images that you create in your mind uh, through the faculty of imagination, right? You can't even think. Well, we don't really know how we think. It seems like some people are primarily image thinkers, other people are primarily verbal thinkers. Um, some people see images primarily in, in space. We, we just barely know how we think, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't sound too assured in your commentary here, mate, Athenian stranger. always taking in this infinite amount of images elsewhere you're never really sort of doing the own recombinant work on your end uh, with just you can't help but do the recombinant work on your end and you have a choice about how many images you want to take in some people don't watch tv some people don't go to movies some people aren't on social media right most people's lives now like a thousand years ago revolve around work family community it's not so radical and we did not evolve to be gullible. A, a select number of important images. For instance, think about the fact that if you were to only read something like Plutarch, right? Plutarch writes this book called The, Li- the Lives of uh, the Great Eminent Greek. So monks, 800 years ago, living in monasteries, right? they were distracted by images. They had a hard time concentrating. It's just part of being human. Because we evolved to be hyper-aware for threats. So we, we did not evolve to optimize for happiness. We evolved 
to optimize for passing on our genes, which means that those who are hyper-aware for threats, you know, who disproportionately attuned to fear and anxiety, right, more likely to spot threats coming that would snuff out their lives, and so we're kind of optimized for fear and anxiety, concern, and distraction, because that's proved to be evolutionarily adaptive. Oh, he also picked them out because those are the people he knew, those are the people he liked, those are the people he resonated with, those are the people who fit in with his hero system. Hundred men who had only read Plutarch, I could take over the world, and it's because. Uh, well, guess what? He couldn't. Those men have been educated in greatness, right? What 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 beauty could be at the highest level of human flourishing, human excellence, and unfortunately, what we have in this newfound world is very little of that but an onslaught of literally a veritable flood of mediocre to outright degenerate images uh, that people flood themselves with right anyone who's ever as soon as like ancient man began painting on a cave wall he was painting you know pornographic images right so yeah there are some ways where this moment is uncharted territory different from all moments before it and there are some ways where it's continuous just walk down the street and you'll see images you don't want to see. You'll see, you know, fat, ugly, frail, deformed, crippled, damaged people. And uh, their pain and their incompetence and their deformity is so painful that uh, it hurts you to look at it. Right? You don't have to go on the internet to see these things. And that's exactly the problem is when you can't see, unsee some images because they're so extreme of what you don't want in your mind, uh, they pull down all the rest, right? They, they bring you back down, right? They, some people call it realism, like, well, you know... They don't have to, right? You have some agency about where you want your attention to go. Right? You can do things to self-regulate, to adjust your level of fear. Looking at the, the body of a blown-up corpse, you know, that should sort of ground you back in reality or something. And, and, I mean, yeah, true. But also, if you stay focused on just pictures of uh, images, right, of uh, great leaders, great generals, great heroes, right, really then you'll even be better off. Uh, and, the, and this gets even really worse when you think about the youth. Because the youth today, and I always tell this to parents, parents will, parents are amazing at being able to blind themselves to what's really happening in their own house. Um, yeah, if we just you know, put up pictures of great men, it would totally transform our lives. Well, some people, it would improve their lives. The vast majority of people, it would make very little, if any, difference. Parents will literally think that their kids have not seen porn or they wouldn't be looking at these kinds of most outrageous porn uh, and I just ask them I say well does your son or your daughter have an iPhone and you know, they'll say yes of course uh, and I say well it's already in your home uh, everything you never want them to see is already in your home and the thing about the youth is that and this is what makes them so great right is, I mean it's sort of a double edged sword uh, they have that willingness to, they're daring right they have that sort of that, that they want to push the envelope right and that's a great thing about them but it can be very dangerous when you combine it with a situation of something like pornography and then sort of like what you were saying is that uh, they've seen everything they no longer create their own sort of images. They, and uh, guess what? The world is very dangerous. You know, 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago, there were more wild animals, there were more beasts, uh, there were dangerous snakes, 
right? The wood's always been a dangerous place. It's not just some brand new phenomenon due to the internet. Just living out fantasies that they've already seen, probably over in abundance, other people performing, uh, and they will expect that in their own relationships, right? And so next thing you know, we've got generations of young people now who are already, that's already reality for them. And we don't know what's on the tail end of that, right? We're in America living under the kind of a gerontocracy, right, of old people. You know, we've got this 80-year-old president, you know, 80-year-old senators, 90-year-old senators. Well, they're from a long time ago, right? We don't know what it's like to live under the rule of people like the youth today who have this newfound discovery of, of the most amazing uh, human degeneracy possible. So again, completely uncharted territory. Yeah, everything's uncharted territory. There are some ways that this will be discontinuous with the past, and there will be some ways it will be continuous, but it won't be this you know, radically different environment that you know only people as wise as Alex Kishuta and Athenian Stranger can can detect what's happening. Yeah, we have some new problems today, and we have some new advantages today. There are ways that life today is worse than it was yesterday, five years ago, 50 years ago, 500 years ago. There are other ways where life today is better than it was yesterday and 50 years ago and 500 years ago. There are definitely problems. We have uh, you know, new emerging threats that we've not seen before, and other threats have diminished. But one thing is for sure, we have optimized evolutionarily to be constantly alert for threats. And life is inherently fragile. That we don't know what's on the other end of it. Uh, it's probably going to be like a present from like a, a grandparent or something where you just don't know what's inside. We don't know what's on the other end of a million things. All right? To be human is to be vulnerable, to work with incomplete knowledge and to be constantly walking into uncharted territory because we are constantly changing and the territory is constantly changing. Side of it, which you probably, you know you're probably not gonna like it. It's probably not gonna really have anything to do with you. Um, and I, I worry about that. And, and that's where, you know, I point to the fact that, again... Yeah, you're not gonna like it if you focus on what's bad about this new situation, right? You're not gonna like it if you focus on what's terrible about the new environment. You're not going to like it when you focus on how it's inferior to how it used to be. You're not going to like it if you don't have friends and community and family. You're not going to like it if you're not able to self-regulate. Right? If you're able to calm yourself down, if you're able to meditate or pray or exercise or listen to classical music or whatever is your, your process of calming yourself down, then unexpected changes as we enter uncharted territory are going to throw you. But if you're able to self-regulate, if you're able to be a good friend to yourself, if you're able to treat yourself with kindness and care and compassion, if you're able to you know, understand what, what drives and motivates you and troubles you, then uh, there's a really good chance that you're able to do the same for other people and that you'd be a good friend and that you can build up a support system and a community and you can play a valuable role in other people's lives and they can play a valuable role in your life. And when these awful things happen, like uh, you know, Gen X or Gen Z or Gen Y, whatever, takes political power, that you'll be able to deal with it. Come on, mate. It's probably not gonna really have anything to do with you. Um, and I, I worry about that. And, and that's where, you know, I point to the fact that... Yeah, he worries about that because he's wiser than you are. And he's just worrying, worrying about that because he sees all these threats that you don't see because he's morally superior 
He's cognitively sharper. He has depth and wisdom because he studies the classics. So he's like Eric Weinstein. Uh, he's worrying about this and he's worrying about that. Sure hope you're grateful. Again, the best solution, certainly the time. He's like God's suffering servant. He's suffering for our sins. What a mensch. Proven solution to all these things uh, is to really go back to something like the classics, to really reteach people how to set aside time in their daily life, uh, no matter how busy, to take seriously the business of reading good books. Uh, because in a world filled of bad things, of evil people, monsters, really, uh, you're not going to find the heroes you want looking around you, but we've already seen everyone collect. Unless you're surrounded by good people. You know how you can increase your odds of being surrounded by good people? You can be a good person yourself. How can you be a good person? You can get to know yourself, be a good friend to yourself. When you're in touch with yourself, and what drives you and what frightens you, right? You're much more likely to be able to relate and connect with other people. And you're much more likely to have empathy as you let down your body armoring. You know, when you let go your unnecessary bodily tension, right? Take some Alexander Technique lessons. You know, let go of habitual reactions to stimuli that aren't serving you and replacing them with more adaptive reactions to stimuli. When you let go of your body armoring, become softer and gentler inside. Uh, you'll open up your heart and your social life uh, to connect with other people and your life will start working a whole lot better. And sure, great books, great. Uh, you can learn a lot from that. You can learn a lot from a lot of different areas, even podcasts and YouTube videos and friends and family. Can you open yourself up to learning where your family's been right and you've been wrong? Can you open up to learning where your friends have been right and you've been wrong? Can you open up to learning from your own experience? Can you, can you milk you know, every defeat and every frustration and every wrong turn you've made Know, to get you know, the full lesson so that you don't just run from your mistakes but you kind of sit there and bathe in them and learn from them and grow and develop from them. Right, there are a lot of ways that you can become a more adaptive human. Today, mate, 40 here, listening to Athenian Stranger on Alex Kashuda's podcast. To be emphasized with, with the embrace of the, the, the rapidity, the, the fast-paced society that we're living in, that's only increased, that's what the whole point of social media is, it increases, it increases uh, the rapidity with which we fly through life. And the more... Not necessarily. You get to control the rapidity with which you fly through life, right? I just come from Tenham Sands. Right? People aren't flying through life in Tenham Sands. Right? You can choose where you want to live. You can choose the speed of life that you want to lead. Right? It's not being chosen for you by Facebook or Twitter or YouTube. Right? You get to decide. You can join a religious community, which will help you slow down. You can join a contemplative community. It might help you slow down. You get a good therapist. It might help you slow down. Join the 12-step program. It might help you slow down. You can exercise on a regular basis. It might help you calm down. If you've got ADHD, get a psychiatrist, get medication, get techniques for dealing with a racing mind or that that gets increased without people being aware of it they simply we simply become less thoughtful i mean it's, it's just a, it, to 
me, that's obvious, is that we become less thoughtful because we immediately think, well, hold on, I'll ask my friend about this, or I'll ask my friend about this, right? It's like everyone knows someone uh, who can do it for them, and, and it doesn't matter what the thing is, you know, they're going to they're gonna defer to them, and so they're all, uh, we all become less thoughtful because of that. Really? Are we really becoming less thoughtful because of social media, or because the world is uh, faster paced? Uh, I sent people with IQs over 120 who were pretty doggone thoughtful, right? We all do what we're good at, right? People are good at playing basketball, play a lot of basketball. People are good at thinking about abstract concepts, think about abstract concepts. People are good at cooking, cook. Like people who are good at you know, figuring out naughty philosophical or logical questions, that's what they like to do in their spare time. Now, I think I'm reasonably good at live streaming and creating videos and discussing ideas. So that's what I do here on my vacation in Australia. Right? We're going to do what we're good at, and we're going to try to avoid things that we're not good at. Yeah, I, I recently read something, a snippet of something, actually, a very quick snippet on social media. I think it was from, from Zero HP. Um, and I think he was reviewing that book by the last psychiatrist, the sadly porn book, I think. And I, I don't know if this is his idea or if it's something that he's taken out of the book and explaining. Uh, but the idea that essentially all of visual media is porn, and especially it is porn at this point, where because you're not allowing yourself or this media is not allowing you to generate your own fantasies. It's all been planted into you. And in a way, you're kind of living out these, you know, these, these weird um, ideas that someone else... Look, from the earliest times, our thoughts, our fantasies... Right, our hero systems came from our community. Right, it still comes from our community, our extended community. But uh, you think 45,000 years ago, people weren't getting thoughts and dreams and a sense of meaning and a transcendent hero system from their community? Of course they were. Right, there's never been a time when we've just been individuals making our own decisions, choosing and creating our own hero systems you know, without regard to the community in which we live especially marketers like you know i've been recently like kind of gently trying to renovate my my home um and actually um i had i had some some very strict ideas about what it would look like and now like in the last few days i feel like i've woken up from a dream because my home is kind of like my family home um we have also it's kind of like a museum most of the stuff that my parents have collected throughout the years and you know weirder stuff nicer stuff whatever my my idea was to completely gut it and turn it into like whatever a restoration hardware type you know place that looks you know like that's someone from some mommy blogger from I don't know. The, the girls I knew growing up would constantly rearrange their room. They're constantly nesting. Right? It sounds like quintessential you know, female drama. Interest implanted into my brain through sponsored you know, deals. Uh no, it doesn't come from sponsors. Women were doing that before there was TV, before there was radio, before there were newspapers. Right? Women are constantly adjusting the nest. This isn't just some alien thought that was implanted in Alex Kashuta you know, by the advertising industry. And I was just about to pull the trigger on buying some weird stuff, changing everything out, and then I realized, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm just trying to uh, replicate this pornographic dream of a home, a standard American, whatever, I don't know, ranch-style home that doesn't even fit into, into the world that I live in. Doesn't... So there was a review in the New York Times recently of, of the trouble that monks had with distraction in the Middle Ages. So even monks in the Middle Ages, they constantly dealt with distraction. They constantly dealt with their attention being taken elsewhere from what they wanted. Right, their, their minds were racing in the Middle Ages. Monks were struggling with racing minds in the Middle Ages. Right, this, this is just all part of being human. It's just, you know, not some you know, nefarious left-wing plot. With anything I 
have. I would literally have to throw everything out and buy new stuff. It completely ignores the fact that I have, you know, wonderful kind of almost artwork type furniture that my parents left me. And I, I, I felt completely retarded because I feel like I'm bulletproof to a lot of psyops just because, you know, I've been in Frog Twitter for probably almost a decade now and, you know, adjacent spaces. Um, and, um, you know, <laughs> this, this taught me a lot about, about you know, essentially this, this strange pornographic nature of everything that comes through through the little, the little square. Um, and Look, monks were struggling with the same thing 800 years ago, right? It's uh, having an advertising industry and social media. It uh, hasn't radically transformed uh, being hu human, right? And we did not evolve to be gullible. I don't know. It was almost almost scary to, to kind of wake up from that. Yeah, so she, she had some obsessions that were not in her best interest. Right, and that comes from our biology. It comes from you know hormones. It comes from you know getting a dopamine rush. Right? You still struggle with these same things, you know, even uh, if you weren't watching TV. Oh, that sounds exactly correct. You know, it used to be you used to be able to say something like "seeing is believing," but now everyone has seen everything with the way in which you I mean, you can literally see everything with a with a quick search on the old Google. Uh, but the danger there, and I know that the, the, the sort of the porn reference there is just kind of an analogy, but really it's not even an analogy because the, sort of the dopamine and all that is the same. But we're in uncharted territory now. Yeah, there, there's something to this, right? right there, there's more, you know, dopamine rushes easily available to us, but uh, I think they're overstating their case. G'day, May 40 here, listening to a podcast with Athenian Stranger, talking to Alex Kashuta. At least the 1960s. What I mean by that is media. I mean, I've been indoctrinated in left-wing thinking since I was a child, just by watching. This is the credulous, just thoughtless reactionary position of so many people on the distant right, that uh, all the media just brainwashes people. If you believe in evolution... Right, and the entire basis of thought for the distant right is evolutionary and atheist. Then you'll realize we weren't born yesterday. We could not evolve to be gullible or we wouldn't be here. So this idea that you know, propaganda is just so effective, and there's no evidence for this. Nazi propaganda, communist propaganda didn't change mind. Neither does woke propaganda. Yeah, you pick out some speaking mannerisms, all right? And you get, you know, familiarity with some things that you'd rather not be familiar with, but it doesn't fundamentally change you from left to right, or right to left, or change you from religious to secular. You know, when I started watching TV, that was hugely influential on me in my teenage years. It was hugely influential on me because I wanted it to be. I wanted this exciting new world outside of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Right? TV didn't turn me from religious to secular. It took me along a road I wanted to travel. Add real quickly to that that um, that's what's so funny about seeing these American journalists get orgasmic about uh, the what's happening in Iran and also what's happening with that with soccer people or whatever protesting and stuff the people protesting in China uh, they act as if somehow America is not more propagated doesn't have more propaganda than any other country in the world except maybe the, the presence of propaganda isn't what makes for oppression or doesn't destroy your 
capability of being human. All right. I mean, this guy is about to compare America to North Korea, which people on the distant right do all the time, and it's absolutely brain dead. North Korea. We're just comfortable in our propaganda. That's the reason we don't see it. Uh, we think uh, that we have... Oh, really? So he sees the things that you don't see. You're too stupid to see this, but he sees it because he's so wise. Right, you don't think ordinary people on the right can uh, detect you know, left-wing propaganda? People weren't born yesterday. They're not born gullible. We did not evolve to be gullible. We're not stupid. People on the right can detect left-wing propaganda. You don't need a PhD in classical studies to be able to detect left-wing propaganda. So let's go look at some ancient Aboriginal art. I mean, this is greater than what Michelangelo produced. And stuff like that, but then, you know, we don't realize that it takes someone like a Donald Trump to come along and remind everyone that the news is simply fake. And now... Oh, so prior to Donald Trump, people didn't realize the news was fake. Right, the news is what different bureaucracies report. Right, that's what the news is. Because news is a business and you can package, you know, the reports of bureaucracies, whether they're juries or Wall Street, or Justice Department, or the House of Representatives, all right? Look at these amazing Aboriginal engravings. Wow, a kangaroo, a sunfish, and several smaller fishes. Just amazing Aboriginal art here. Yeah, uh, people realized the news was fake and gay prior to Donald Trump. Right, news is a business. It hypes. Like journalists think it's okay to hype, meaning you're essentially lying about the importance of what you're reporting. So much of the reporting on Trump's ties to Russia was factually accurate, but it was hyped so that if you wanted to believe that Trump was fatally compromised by a relationship with Russia, you could believe that. But the reporting was, was more careful than that. It was more factual than that. But it was hyped. Choices and stuff like that, but then you know we don't realize that it takes someone like a Donald Trump to come along and remind everyone that the new. So as soon as I'd read these stories about Donald Trump's ties to Russia, you know, I would just my eyes would glaze over. I just find it so boring. It was just so inconsequential. But you know, it was factually accurate, but completely inconsequential. So just because something dominates the news, right, doesn't mean that it's important, right? There's there's no necessary connection between hype and importance right what a lot of things that are compelling are unimportant a lot of things that are you know famous or attention grabbing you know, dominate the, the mainstream media right not important such as the, the whole trump russia story actually accurate but inconsequential you don't think the u.s is constantly interfering in elections overseas there's no evidence that the russian Disinformation campaigns on Facebook and Twitter, you know, had any significance, right? The the newsworthy is really significant, and the significant is really newsworthy. And I don't think we needed uh, Donald Trump to tell us this. See it. Uh, we think uh, that we have choices and stuff like that, but then you know we don't realize that it takes someone like a Donald Trump to come along and remind us. Oh, we think we have choices, but until Donald Trump comes along, we really didn't understand that we had choices. I mean, this is such dreck, and it's so common to use this rhetoric in the distant right. That uh, we were just mindless automatons till Donald Trump came along, 
and showed us the truth that we were just seeing shadows on the cave dancing on our TVs. It took Donald Trump to take us out of the cave and into the sunlight of truth. The news is a business, like other business. It's fake, like the ad for the Australian Army saying, joining the Australian Army, you know, gave me a whole new life, shows this beautiful woman who's become a driver in the Australian Army. And it's her ticket to a whole brand new life. Okay? I'm going to wager that that's uh, pretty fake. I don't think that the Australian Army had that transformative effect. Right, look at commercials, all right? Uh, not necessarily accurate and truthful, but filled with hype. And so that's what you know, a lot of businesses rely on, right? They rely on hype. They rely on exaggeration. They rely on saying things that are you know, supposedly really important, but in essence, not so important. So you can't outsource your reality to someone else, right? Why would you just automatically trust what uh, the news or some expert or academic says? Okay, Reef Beach, Manly. Here we go. Someone like a Donald Trump to come along and remind everyone that the news is simply fake. And now, now that curtain is being sort of pulled back. But anyway, I just wanted to add that because that can't be emphasized enough is that uh, America as a people is far more propagandized than any other country in the world. Just think about the... Uh, and he says that as though it means something, right? You could give me pro-gay propaganda all day long and I'm not going to go out and suck a dick, right? You could give me pro-cocaine propaganda all day long and I'm not going to go out and snort cocaine, right? He talks as though we're just incredibly vulnerable to propaganda. He talks as though we're all just unthinking automatons until Donald Trump came along and restored our humanity. And he's a professor of the classics. Give me a break. The number of uh, big pharma commercials that you see uh, constantly, you know, going directly to uh, ordinary Americans. And he's talking as though we're helpless in front of big pharma commercials. So I see a big pharma commercial with Viagra and I can't help but go to my physician to get some because I'm just mindless automaton like I evolved to be stupid and gullible right hundreds of thousands of years of evolution right produced me just so gullible and stupid that I'm vulnerable to pharmaceutical advertising together so that the people will go to their doctor to ask for these medications uh, I mean, it's, it's just incredible but anyway I'm sorry I sort of interrupted you there but please what's so incredible about allowing free speech to pharmaceutical companies right? you, you really think that people can't handle seeing some commercials for some pharmaceutical product, and even though it doesn't meet any of their needs, they're just going to feel like they've been turned into zombies, right? Right? They've been bitten by a zombie from the commercial, right? This is the zombie bite theory of information. You give people, right, the left uses this, right? If uh, people are exposed to the Right Stuff podcast or you know, some piece of you know, alt-right information or entertainment, then They'll get bit by a zombie and they'll turn into radicals and it'll destroy their lives. If people read some forbidden book, such as Belko by Charles Murray or I don't know, Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler, then they'll just mindlessly turn into some antisocial radical. 
and uh, the zombie bite theory of information is bogus. That isn't how people deal with information. People take information. If it's conducive to the direction they want to go, they will use it. If it's not conducive to the direction they want to go in life, guess what? They won't use it, right? We weren't born yesterday. We're not gullible. Didn't evolve to be gullible. We're skipping over the doctor altogether so that the people will go to their doctor to ask for these medications. Yeah. We have evolved extremely good inner mechanisms to detect when other people are trying to manipulate us. Like, we're terrible at evaluating our own thinking. That's why we need to think socially. But we're very good at detecting when other people are trying to manipulate us. If we weren't, we wouldn't still be here. Right? We didn't evolve to be gullible. It's just incredible. But anyway, I'm sorry, I sort of interrupted you there. But please no, no, it's you know, I I, I live in, in an offshoot of the empire, and it's probably partly as bad as that. Which just we, we haven't gotten the, the, the gear up. We haven't gotten things up to that speed. I don't think you can have sup- supplements advertised on TV, but I don't think you can have actual. Uh, I think this is EU regulation, not necessarily a bad one. Um, but yeah, it's 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 an it's an insane. So yeah, the European Union is going to fall apart when they allow direct-to-consumer pharmaceutical advertising. Right when they allow same freedom of speech to companies as they allow to individuals, then society will just fall apart because people won't be able to resist the allure of pharmaceutical advertising. I don't know. I've probably seen well over a thousand pharmaceutical ads in my life, and I've never once gone to my doctor and asked for any of these products. But maybe I'm special. Yeah, maybe I'm as special as uh, you know, Athenian stranger. ...degree of things speaking to you, consuming all of your available attention, essentially robbing you of a big part of your humanity, which is... Yeah, pharmaceutical ads. Did you realize they're robbing you of a big part of your humanity? (laughs) I don't feel robbed my humanity by advertising, by propaganda, right? All the left-wing propaganda out there, I don't think it has reduced my humanity 1%. So this is such a common victimhood talking point on the distant right that is absolutely bogus and stupid, makes no sense, doesn't stand up to any critical examination, but because members of this victimhood group just repeat it endlessly back and forth to each other in different accents and different variations. It's like, oh, advertising just robs us of our humanity. Uh, Being exposed to left-wing perspectives robs us of our humanity. Having a left-wing teacher robs us of our humanity. Our institutions being dominated by the left it just robs us of our humanity. I recognize that almost all our institutions are dominated by the left. I don't feel like it's robbed me of my humanity. I mean, how gullible and stupid you realize these people think you are. They think, oh, they're able to see through the BS, but you, you're too stupid to see. Right, you're blind. You've been robbed of your humanity by pharmaceutical advertising and uh, left-wing propaganda. Just not how people work. ...of things speaking to you, consuming all of your available attention, essentially robbing you of a big part of your humanity. Okay, so pharmaceutical ads and left-wing advertising, I just don't feel like it's robbing me of all of my attention. Right? I feel a lot of agency. Like, I feel like I can determine where my attention goes. Right? I don't have any problem with that. Right? My attention goes where I want it to go. My attention doesn't go to 
you know, pharmaceutical advertising or left-wing propaganda unless I choose to engage with it. I, my phone doesn't ring unless I set my phone to ring. Usually, 95% of the time, I have my phone on Do Not Disturb. Right? I, I don't allow the outside world to run my life. I like to think I have a sense of agency over my own life, and uh, I'm not going to put up with it. Right? I love being here in Australia. I love my free time. I love directing my attention where I want. Which is just, you know, being bored and focusing and, and kind of relaxing limbically in your surrounding. Like, it's... That, that you know, is such an important and amazing point. Is Oh, wow, that's such an important and amazing point. Jesus, how stupid are these people? That uh, people can't relax, you know, without just taking in left-wing propaganda and pharmaceutical advertising. People are just helpless in the face of this. And when they relax then they take this in and they become programmed by it and uh, it robs them of their humanity. I, I don't know, I feel like I can decide what I want to take in and even if I take it in doesn't mean I need to act on it. We've evolved very good mechanisms for detecting when institutions, advertisers, businesses, friends, family, community, strangers are trying to manipulate and influence us. Right, we're not helpless. And that gets back around to everything that sort of defines my existence, uh, certainly on Twitter. Is Yeah, this defines his existence. These bogus, stupid, idiotic, you know, victimhood mentality points that have no validity. How are we supposed to slow down uh, in this world that is so fast-paced? How are we supposed to slow down? Oh, go for a walk? Uh, maybe leave your phone behind? Turn off your notifications that people can't interrupt you, uh, listen to classical music, read a book, uh, go to church, go to synagogue. Like, are we, are we prevented from doing any of these things? How are we prevented from slowing down? I just don't see it. And it's only teaching us to be more fast-paced, right? Because, I mean, that's how the social media is, that's how they make us addicted to it, right? Uh, as you expect, immediate returns on things. I, I can still oh, they just make us addicted, and, and we have no choice. Like, we have no say, we have no power. Like, we're just forced to mindlessly doom scroll on Facebook and Twitter. You can uninstall the apps. You can drop your account. You can reduce the amount of time you spend with social media. Yeah, businesses, not just businesses, individuals, communities, groups, are always trying to act in their self-interest, all right? They're trying to get you to do things. You've evolved really good mechanisms to see through their manipulations and act in your best interests. Remember when all you had to worry about, uh, you know, was receiving, you know, question mark, question mark, question mark in a text if you didn't respond quick enough. Uh, now people will absolutely go insane if they can't find a YouTube instructional video on how to do, you know, whatever their math assignment is. Okay, if you go insane because you can't find a YouTube instructional video, that has nothing to do with YouTube. That has to do with you. Right? You're operating with way too much anxiety. In all likelihood, because you lack connection in your life. You had a few more mates. Right? You had a sense of community. Right? You had a church or a synagogue. Right? If you had good relations with family, extended family, right? you wouldn't be nearly so anxious. Or just get to a good therapist or the appropriate 12-step program. This treating us as though we're infants and stupid, but 